We are jumping into our new message series for the next three weeks called Address the Mess. Um, I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year's. Happy 2020. And we're jumping right in, aren't we? Right? Uh, today, when we are talking about addressing the mess, I think of the idea of a mess, and one thing comes to mind, okay? One thing in my mind comes to mind. And I don't want to show you this, but they, I, I kind of have to to prove a point. Um, but this comes to mind, okay? This, if you don't know, which you don't, most, most of you, this is our basement, and it's semi-finished, and so this is where all the kids' toys are and everything. This is what it looks like at the end of every single day, okay? Every day. doesn't matter what they're doing. There's just, they're, it's whatever. Three kids, they just get everything out. They don't play with anything, and they just leave it like this. And um, my wife and I were trying to get better at making them clean up, but sometimes we're just too tired at, at the night. And here's another picture. Uh, there they are, just cuddled up over Christmas break. But you can see, again, a different day, the same exact mess, right? So I don't know what you think of when you think of a mess in your life. Um, but I think of this, but it's okay because really this shows that they were using their imaginations that day. They were playing. My wife got the paper to color on a t the table, right, which is great because we're teaching them to color on tables. And um, um, it's fantastic, but, but it really is. It's like, okay, they were playing. They had a full day. They laughed. They cried. Whatever it was, they had a full day, but it's also a big mess, and I think we can all relate some way in some, some form in your life. Maybe something in your life gets as messy as our basement does. But the good thing is, is that usually every day uh, we can clean that up. Like I said before, we don't always do it. We're trying to get better at it and clean it up every night so that the, the morning they can just do it, do it again. Uh, but we're just trying to get better at it. But we can always clean it up. Now, when we're talking about addressing the mess, we're, we're not talking about these physical messes because we have control over cleaning this mess up. When we talk about addressing the mess, we're talking about the mess that's right inside here, right? And right inside here as well. Because let's face it, we're a mess sometimes, aren't we? Sometimes our heart, in our heart, is a mess. Sometimes our minds are a mess. These messes are often internal. They reside in us and they plague us. They spill out of our lives and they can have devastating effects. You see, much like the physical messes in our, our lives, we have a choice, don't we? We can either ignore them, leave them there, blame others for them, or we can actually do something about it. We can address the mess. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going be, to begin this series by talking about a mess that many of us often probably don't know that's there. But once we look at it, you're going to truly see that, wow, that is and does cause a mess in our lives. And so we're going to revisit the garden, okay? And so if you have a Bible, you want to turn there, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. If not, it's going to be on the screens for you this morning. And so as you're turning there, let me just revisit this story in the garden. Many of you know the story of Adam and Eve, right? God created the, the, the earth and everything in it was good. And part of that creation was Adam and Eve, and they were there. God said, hey, listen, you, uh, we, I want you to take care of my creation. I want you to be there. 
And, and it's so cool because everything was flawless and working together. There was perfect harmony between God and his creation as long as they followed one simple instruction. Let's read it here in Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17. This is talking to Adam and Eve. But the Lord God warned him to, to Adam, you may eat freely, sorry, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And so do, we don't know what exactly the fruit is, right? But really, we grow up thinking it's an apple because that's usually the picture that we see when we're kids. I think it's a tomato because tomatoes are gross, all right? But usually we picture an apple, so we don't know what exactly that is. So this is going to represent the fruit in the tree that Adam and Eve weren't supposed to eat in the garden today. So as you look at it, be reminded of that. Now, it's interesting here. Um, we see that God gave Adam and Eve all the provision that they would need, right? He gave them everything they would need and also the freedom to take anything they needed. Do you see it here? You may freely, so there's the freedom that God gave Adam and Eve, eat of every tree, meaning there's multiple different kinds of trees, everything. You may freely eat of any tree, right? So this shows provision from God to Adam and Eve and also a freedom to choose what they would like to eat, except for one thing. Something happens here, though. God gives them this boundary, this limit, but then something happens. Genesis 3.1, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he came and asked the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat the fruit from any tree in the garden. The snake here represents Satan, and you can hear how he just begins to twist God's words and make Eve begin to question the validity of God's word, right? And notice how he goes to the woman, and he, he wants to, because if you went to Adam, Adam may have withstood the temptation, but then Eve was tempted in this, and so then she ends up tempting Adam, and it just begins a mess. And we see what happens here if we keep going. Eve then responds this way, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. Eve says, God said, you must not eat it or even touch it, and if you do, you will die. You see, what's shocking here is that if you compare what God actually said to Adam and Eve and what Eve just says, Eve omits words that God used she adds words to what God says, and she changes words. Isn't that interesting? She's tempted by Satan, and she ends up changing, omitting, and adding to what God actually says, which means that the door is open for temptation. The door of temptation is open to bring a mess, right? And so a lot of us know the story. The serpent responds and says, oh, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. 
God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Do you see the two statements from the enemy that are huge in this? He says, you won't die, which God said, you will, and you will be like God. All right? So the temptation here is for Adam and Eve to place themselves up at God's level, if you will. And so what do they do? Well, I think many of us know. It says the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it gave her. And the rest is history, isn't it? She turns to Adam. She says, here, eat of this, and he's a coward and says, all right, whatever. And they both eat of the tree, and all of a sudden, we have a mess on our hands. And so when we look at this, we have to really ask, what's happening in the garden? Because some people will say, well, God actually set them up to fail, right? Like, think about it. Um, He gave all these trees, but he said, don't touch the middle one. Don't eat the middle one. Okay, how many of you in here, when someone tells you not to do something, you just want to do it more, right? You just want to do it more. Like, oh, you told me not to do that? I'm going to do it anyways. It doesn't matter. Right? They were tempted with this idea of, don't touch that. But, but listen, God did not allow Adam and Eve to fail. In fact, when you look at what is happening in Genesis, we see that God actually allows Adam and Eve to succeed. It's a whole different outlook. It's a, just a flip uh, of mentality when you're reading this, is that he doesn't want them to fail. In fact, he wants them to succeed because, listen, in the, at the end of the day, Scripture is clear. It says God is for He wants us to succeed. one of our songs. God is for us. He, he wants us to succeed. He wants us to thrive as individuals. He's not going to set us up to fail. It's the opposite. He's going to set us up to succeed. So there must be a logical reason why God placed this restriction, this boundary, this limit to Adam and Eve. And so there is. And that's what we're going to look at today. The tree and its fruit represents God placing limits or boundaries in the lives that he doesn't want us to cross. Not because he's some kind of killjoy or unfair God, but it's actually the opposite. You see, God gives Adam and Eve this limit first for their good. For their good. Okay, what's so interesting is that Adam and Eve never questioned God's goodness when God told them not to eat the fruit. Like when God said, here, here, you can freely eat of any tree of the garden, just don't touch that one. You don't see them saying, why? Why can't we touch that one? They just simply accept this restriction and this boundary, and they're like, all right, awesome. It wasn't until the enemy came in and tempted them to step outside of that limit, outside of that boundary where they started to think, huh, maybe it's okay for me to eat of that tree. Maybe it's okay for me to step outside the boundary of the limit God gave me, right? God gave this to them for their good. Because God knows we cannot handle what he can only handle. Let me say that again. God knows 
that we cannot handle what he can only handle. Okay? Uh, To help my wife out, sometimes, she'll say, oh, I just can't get to the grocery store. Okay? And I, so lovingly, offer to go grocery shopping for her. Okay? Now, I just saw a a lot of women laugh here because you know exactly where I'm going with this. My wife does not want me to grocery shop, okay? And so when I offer, and if she does, and she's like, okay, I really, truly can't get to the store, but we need things, and so you need to go to the store, you know what she does? She gives me boundaries. She gives me a detailed list of what to get and what not to get, okay? Why? For my good. Because I have no clue what to buy my family, but she does. She can handle it. I can't handle it. And so she gives me exactly what I need in order to succeed, right? In order to thrive in my life. And it's so interesting because then when I'm at the store, I have this list and I'm sticking to it. I can't find anything. So I end up calling her like 10 times. And she's like, oh, that's on the fourth aisle, halfway down on the left, bottom shelf. How do you know these things, right? You see, my wife, we do this all the time. You do this with your kids. You do this with your employees. You do this with your spouses. Whatever may be, we give limits for the good of people in our lives, don't we? It's the same thing with God. God knows we cannot handle what only he can handle. And so he gives us these limits, these boundaries for our lives for our good, but also so that we can trust him. So that we can trust him. When I go to the grocery store, I trust my wife that that list is exactly what we need in order to make whatever we're going to make that week. I trust her. I know that it was for my good, and so I can trust her in that. You see, the tree and its fruit are the first time in human history where mankind has the opportunity to trust and believe in God. From the beginning, God has always wanted his creatures, you and me, to love and obey him, to trust and believe him with our free choice. He simply wants us to trust him, and it's the same thing today. I love what Jesus says in John 6, 29. Uh, He says, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Okay? That word believe can also be uh, translated as the word trust at the same time. But we've got to ask the question why is Jesus saying this and who's them in this moment? Okay? So when you go back to John chapter 6, the, the chapter opens up with Jesus feeding thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. All right? He does this miraculous miracle. And he feeds everybody. And then the disciples end up getting on a boat to go to the other side. And Jesus walks on water to, keep, to uh, catch up with them, right? So he does another miracle in this moment. So the disciples and Jesus go to the other side. The crowds are like, where did they go? They found them and they show up to Jesus. And in John chapter 6, verse 28, they ask this question. They say, listen, We want to perform God's works too. What do we need to do? Or in other words, they want to be like God. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus so lovingly looks at the crowd and says this. 
this is the only work God wants from you. He only wants you to trust, believe in the one he has sent. That's it. He doesn't want us to be like God. He doesn't want us to handle what only he can handle. He doesn't want us to take his place. He simply wants us to trust and believe in him. You see, God has placed these limits on our lives for our good so that we can trust him. But how often do we fail at that, don't we? How often do we fail to live within the boundaries God has given us? And so let's just look at a few examples uh, of limits or boundaries in our lives. And so the first limit or boundary in our life is the limit of personality. This is, these are just examples, and this is not the full list of examples, okay? These are just some of them that uh, we want to talk about today. The limit of our personality. You may be thinking, okay, what is this? Well, listen, God has created you to be you, hasn't he? He's created you to be you. He's created all of us individually, uniquely, and we are who we are because of God. And he wants us to embrace our quirkiness, our stubbornness. He wants us to embrace who we are as individuals. But more often than not, many of us don't like who we are, right? I think some of us in here today, you can say, yeah, that's true. I don't like who I am. I don't like who, who God created me to be. I don't like these certain things. And when we start going down that trail of life of not liking who we are, always putting filters on our lives, all of a sudden we start to live inauthentic lives, right? We start to be people that we're truly not just because we don't like who we are. We don't like our personality. But yet God has graciously created us within this boundary of who we are, but yet we often want to live outside of that. This is a limit or a boundary that many of us step outside of, and we have to resist that temptation to operate outside of this boundary of personality and embrace who God created us to be. That's one example of a boundary that we often step outside of. The next one is the limit of rest. The limit of rest. How many of you are tired today? I've seen some yawns in there. That's why I've started yelling a little bit. Right? The limit of rest. Listen, God rested on the seventh day. In the law, God gave Israel. He included the limitation of rest. And Jesus himself takes time to rest and replenish his soul. We were created to slow down and rest, not sleep when we're dead. Right? A phrase we often use in life. God has created rest to be a benefit in our lives. This is a gift God has given us so that we can be healthy in mind, body, and spirit. And so we need to resist the temptation to uh, just go with culture and always be on the go. And we need to take time to rest. This is a limit God wanted us to do. You see, it's kind of like if any of you cook steak, there's certain cuts of meat that when you cook it or you smoke it or whatever you do, what do you have to do at the end? You have to let it rest. Why? So that it tastes better. It's the same thing with our lives. When we're going through life, listen, we are going to taste better, metaphorically, when we rest, okay? When we rest. That's a limit many of us need to start working within 
that boundary God has set. The next one is the limit of technology. This is a limit um, that, that is in our culture. Obviously, we all know that we live in a high-speed culture. Um, did you guys know that the, the invention of the Internet was actually created so that people could get their work done faster to spend more time with their family? That was their goal. You can look it up, Google it. I heard it from somewhere, so it's got to be true, right? But it makes sense. Think about it. Hey, if we could do this faster, I can go home earlier. But yet, look what technology has done. It's actually split families. It's actually caused people to work more. And so when you don't follow the limit of rest, then all of a sudden this limit of technology comes into play. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. Meaning, things are good. So technology is good. Don't get me wrong. But when we don't set limits on it or boundaries on it, then it can become destructive in our lives. And so we need to make sure that we show self-control and live within the limit that we place on our lives when it comes to technology or really anything in our lives. And the last one I just want to talk about is the limit of worship. There are so many more examples that we could do, but really a lot of them at the end of the day boil down to this one, the limit of worship. That word worship means to give ultimate worth to something in our lives. Okay, so, so when you think about worship, it's giving ultimate worth to something in your life. And God graciously gave his people a limit of who they could worship. In the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is what? You shall have no other gods, right? You shall have no other gods. And listen, when Jesus came into play, guess what? He said the same exact thing. You shall have no other gods. God's because God knows what's good for us. And guess what? Spoiler alert, it's him, right? It's him. But yet time and time again, we find ourselves giving something more worth in our life than him. And so we say, okay, God, you're pretty awesome. You're great. Thank you for your love. But I'm going to go ahead and place more worth on this in my life. For some of us, that's work. For some of us, that's kids. For some of us, that's enjoyment. For others of us, that's money. Whatever it may be, we place this worth on something in our lives more than God. God knows we can only worship one thing at a time. And so he wants to limit us and say, listen, it will benefit you if you worship me. That's what God says. It will benefit you if you put your trust in me, because I know what's good for you. And yet, time and time again, we live our lives worshiping something other than God. When you go back to Adam and Eve, in the beginning, they gave ultimate worth to God, but then they were tempted to do what? Give worth to themselves. The temptation of Satan hasn't changed. It's still the same today. When you think about it, it's saying, hey, listen, You won't die. He's withholding something from you. He's withholding something from you. He doesn't want you to be like him. And so Adam and Eve were tempted, and these words are are daunting words. The woman was convinced. 
She was convinced that the the tempter was right and not God. She was convinced that God was withholding something from her in that moment. And yet God knew what was good. And God only wanted them to trust and believe in him. And as a result, we've been addressing the mess of no boundaries ever since. Think about your lives and how often you step outside the boundaries. And when that happens, usually a mess ensues, doesn't it? And so we need to really focus on our lives. Where are our boundaries and how can we stay within them? Listen, when we take the fruit and when we step outside, the boundary that God has given us for our good and to trust him, this is when things fall apart in our lives. And so what do we do about this? We need to allow God to clean up the mess. Because listen, the mess of sin and the mess of stepping outside boundaries is not something we can do on our own. You can't, you can't work that. You can't work for that. You can't achieve goodness through your works. It's got to be done and we can only be cleaned up by God. But here's the beauty of God. And this is what I want us to understand today. Though we may ignore God's limits at times, though we may step outside of God's boundaries, God's love knows no limits, right? Isn't that amazing? God's love knows no boundaries. You see, after Adam and Eve broke the boundary that God gave them and and sin had entered and rushed in, in Genesis 3, 8, and 9, it says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? Did you catch those last three words? Where are you? They chose to step outside of the boundary that God gave them, but God loved them so much that in, rather than smiting them or, or, or letting them die right then and there, guess what? He pursued them. He went after them. He knew what happened. He even knew where they were. But yet he pursued them in the midst of their sin anyways. Listen, it's the same thing for you and me today. It's the same thing for you and me today. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. He says, listen, before this, in verses 1 through 3, he says, whoa, we are sinners. We are dead in our sins and trespasses. But then he starts in verse 4, but God, those are huge words, uh, we're sinners, but God, being rich in mercy, has loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised us. Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. God's love does not have any limits. His love will go to the farthest places to reach you because he knows what you've done and he knows where you are. And guess what? He still loves you. He still wants you to be his child. He still wants you to run back to him if you strayed away. You see, his love crosses into enemy lines, even though we willingly rebel against him. He pursues us in his love, and he asks us that question, where are you? Where are you? 
though we may sometimes ignore God's limits, sometimes in our lives we may step outside of what God has placed, right? And we all know it's true. We all do it. Even though we step outside of those boundaries, and in those moments you may feel shame, in those moments you may feel like, wow, I've really messed up. Well, guess what? God's love and God, Jesus, will come after you. His love knows no limits. He wants you to come back into the fold, back into his family. And so there's a few things we need to do here as I wrap up this morning. And so based on this, though we ignore God's limits, the first thing we need to do is we we need to embrace God's limits, okay? That's pretty simple, all right? We need to embrace God's limits, okay? You read all the New Testament, and the biggest theme throughout the New Testament is obedience. Obedience. And what did Adam and Eve fail at? Obedience, right? They, he, they didn't obey God. They, they, they disobeyed. They stepped outside of the boundary. And yet the entire New Testament, God wants us to obey. Not so that we can be saved, but because we've been saved. Do you see the difference? Because Jesus has uh, come into our lives, because Jesus died on the cross, rose again, uh, because God's love has come to us, right? He's entered the fray. We just celebrated this around Christmas. He comes to us because Jesus has done what he's done through his death and resurrection. God wants us to just simply obey. In 1 John, it says we need to walk as he walked, right? This idea of follow the leader. We need to obey, walk as he walked. And so let's embrace God's limits. Let's embrace the boundaries. Live within them, right? Don't break boundaries. Live within the boundaries. That's going to be good for you. And then when we ignore God's limits, remember that God's love knows no limits. If you've stepped out of the boundaries and you're so far out of here, guess what? Understand that his love is still available, that his love is coming after you, right? These are the two things we need to embrace in life. Let's embrace his limits, but when we step outside of the limits, let's remember how much God loves you. And so a good question to ask today and to remember is, am I living in the boundaries that God has given me? And do I fully understand his love for me? And so let's address that mess together. Let's pray. God, we thank you and we praise you for the fact that you pursued us. Even though we had stepped out of the boundaries, even though we had uh, fallen and we have this sin in our lives, you, you purchased us through your son, You sent your son because you have loved the world. You loved us enough to cross enemy lines and to come ransom us. God, I pray that because of that, we would strive to live within the boundaries you've set, knowing that they are for our good and so that we can trust you. God, help us as we address that mess in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.